0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I will be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everybody. Today, we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 14, The Carpet. In this episode, Michael's office gets violated and we see a strain in one relationship and the birth of another. This episode's cold open is not a great one. It's
1: it's not funny. It's it, not like a jokey one.
0: It It kind of just sets up a somewhat minor plot point for the episode as a whole. Yeah. So basically it just centers around the fact that Pam is not at her desk. She is on vacation. So Ryan is filling in at reception. And Jim just kind of reflexively is constantly looking over at the reception desk. Because right. that's what he does when Pam is there. Right. And Ryan keeps catching him looking yeah. over.
1: Because like the way the desks are set up, and that's in Ryan's line of sight. So they keep meeting eyes. And Ryan's like, what? What do you need? And Jim's like, oh, oh, nothing. And probably doesn't even realize he's doing it, really. Right. And then Ryan just says, you know, Pam's been out all week. Jim keeps looking over. I would think something of it, but it's nothing at all compared to how Michael looks at me. And then we get a shot of Michael just staring through the blinds in his office at Ryan. So it's meant to kind of give some sort of contrast to Michael's creepiness towards Ryan, but it falls a little flat for me.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's it. That's the, that's the cold open. And it basically just sets up the fact that there is a, a lot of kind of behind the scenes going on in this episode. And it is all kicked off by one event that has Really nothing to do with the larger plot of the series at hand.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a, to me this is a, I don't know what you would call it. It's not a bottleneck episode, but it's a, um, it's just a through line. Like they have to do some table setting a little bit. It's
0: kind of a bridge.
1: Yeah, that's what it's called. It's a bridge episode, and so we just needed a sort of central event to then have these little spindles of story coming off of um, but something that fills enough time for an episode. Right. So really what happens is from the start, Michael comes in to work. He walks into his office, and there is a terrible odor. He cannot stand it. He comes out. We never get confirmation.
0: We do. Later in the episode, we get confirmation as to what it is, but no one outwardly says what it is.
1: Yeah, there is a sort of blurred camera shot as Michael's trying to figure out what is uh, in the middle of his carpet, and it looks to be human feces.
0: Yeah, it it looks it it looks like something that I mean it is not very well portrayed on camera probably because they they probably couldn't honestly like yeah. they, without they i have to imagine that the production team went to nbc and was like here's what's going to happen <laughs> this is this is what's happening in the show what can we show like what's the line of what can we show that looks enough like human feces that we can actually show it on camera? So funny. But is not actually human feces because we can't show that on camera. Like that would have to be blurred out, I, sure. have, I imagine. It's
1: just funny because in season three, and we'll talk about this more in detail, but in season three, there's a really hilarious episode uh, in it and... Phyllis gets flashed, and Michael's making a joke out of it, and he does, like, a finger penis thing. Mm -hmm. And that had to be finagled in such a way to meet standards. Right. So I'm wondering, yes, if you are correct here on something similar.
0: Yes. So it doesn't look like it. It's, like, so... It's alluded to, The first time I ever saw this episode, I still didn't know until the very end when they show Todd Packard going into the office.
1: Right, right.
0: So I, it's just like I, like what?
1: Because it's is it? sort of, it could be like vomit. Right. It could be like garbage. Yeah,
0: like like old food, yeah. something.
1: It's just like what we're told is there's a extremely foul odor and there is a lot of whatever it is. So that sets off this sort of chain for the day. So Michael finds his office to be unusable. Uh, He tries to have like a cleaning lady come and clean it up. And that doesn't help anything. So what ends up happening is that Roy and Daryl are responsible for changing the carpet in Michael's
0: office. Yeah. So Michael is expelled from his office for the day.
1: He is displaced.
0: He takes over Jim's desk. And Jim was... Not there for whatever. Literally everyone else in the office is there already and Jim is not.
1: I'm convinced that this is a little bit of lazy writing sometimes because they will have whoever they need whatever character they need to sort of not be present. That's the person that's late that day or just happens to not be there, but everyone else is there.
0: They and like that could just be a throw a throwaway line too. Like when yeah. Jim comes in and asks Pam, hey, how was vacation? Or welcome back from vacation or whatever. Yeah. Pam all Pam has to do is go how was your dentist appointment? Or how was your a sales yeah, call? Like or as your, yeah, like to that's why that Jim is not in his in the office at the moment.
1: And I don't know if we're meant to infer that the salespeople would be on sales calls. Um, that's I, another thing. I never would. That's another thing that's just used um, when necessary. Right. You know what I mean.
0: So, Michael takes over Jim's desk and. Michael's like, we can share the desk, and that's <laughs> just uh, absurd. Yeah, it's there. Jim's like, there's only one computer, so yeah, and really one chair.
1: Like, yeah,
0: and so Jim mentions that there is an extra desk back in the annex. and Michael, pretty much without saying it, assigns Jim to that desk. Yeah. So Jim goes back and is working in close proximity with Kelly for this episode.
1: Very close. Like they can, in the way it looks back in the annex, they can barely move their chairs out at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's, it's just an interesting, interesting configuration back there. And it's interesting that the customer service representative is back there with HR, like just the configuration of the office in general.
0: Yeah. So this situation where Michael is now out amongst his employees is kind of giving him some nostalgia. Yeah. And he is thinking back to the days where he sat in gym, at Jim's desk and Todd Packer sat at the desk where Dwight is sitting. And he is talking about this with Dwight. And Michael is just talking about how... Back in those days, you know, the office was just kind of this free and easy place that, you know, he and Todd Packer just kind of ran roughshod over, essentially.
1: And really what this is for Michael is just a litany of all the worst things that Todd has ever done to everyone that has ever worked at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. It's like... A top 10 list of just the worst human being's actions. It's kind of appalling, actually. But really, what is kind of tough about this episode is that it's mostly a lot of, like, remember when and a lot of reminiscing by Michael. And the purpose that this is serving is for the audience. It's reinforcing to us. Michael's base characteristics of needing praise and approval, needing to be liked and being unable to make a decision that people would find unpopular, no matter if that's the best decision. Yeah. And what's funny is um, in the Sopranos, Tony Soprano says in one episode that remember when is like the lowest form of conversation. And Michael is sort of getting, on people's nerves with this reminiscing. Uh, Dwight is obviously eating it up, but the way he's acting is really grating on everyone else. Cause he's trying to interrupt people while they're on the phone. Stanley's on a sales call. And this happens a lot though with Stanley where Michael tries to interrupt him right. on the phone. Michael leads Dwight in a raid on accounting, which I don't even know what that means. Yeah, Which is, just turns out that they go over and they just throw all their papers around and and knock binders and files onto the floor, which just means that the three of them have to just clean up all yeah. the paper.
0: Yeah, and it's another one of those episodes that, for me, just kind of ruins a lot of what happens in the later episodes where people— <laughs> feel sorry for Michael, and want to do nice things for Michael, because in this episode, there's a lot of interstitials with, <laughs> yes. with with employees where they're just like, yeah, I don't know who did it. I wasn't the one who did it, but I'm kind of glad it happened. Or,
1: or I could see why they would. Right. Stuff like that, they were like, yeah, Michael's really annoying yeah. a lot of the time.
0: And so I... Can't imagine that anyone who would be happy that someone took a dump in <laughs> someone's office would then be willing to help that person propose to their girlfriend or yeah. be really sad when they were leaving the office. Yeah,
1: it's a lot of short memory, it's a lot of uh, everyone else being the bigger person and like forgiving Michael for all the crazy transgressions over the years. I mean,
0: I guess.
1: And that's what it has to amount to. Like you would have to be, see the best in every person. And you know what? For a lot of people, that's hard for the people you work with because your relationship with that person centers only on your workplace and your job. There's not a lot of times where you, you're you keeping up like a solid friendship once you leave that workplace? No, sometimes that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I, I have plenty of friends that I have made through various jobs. But even a lot of those friends, if you were to hang out with them, not at the workplace, you still end up talking about Mostly work things. And we saw an example of that earlier in the season at Jim's cookout where Oscar and Stanley and Kelly are all standing around at his party and they're talking about paper.
1: Yeah, because that's your likely your only commonality unless you take the relationship like a step further.
0: Right. Back to the episode Michael is doing his best just to liven the day up. He starts a sales contest with. Exclusively the salespeople, like no one else, can participate in this, which is kind of an unfortunate circumstance for people not in sales. Yeah. He says he is going to put a crisp one hundred dollar bill up on the wall. Whoever has the most sales at the end of the day gets that, and then pulls out eighty one dollars from 83. his office, eighty three dollars from his his wallet, and says, "Well, eh, this is good enough."
1: Yeah, that's that's the hundred dollar bill. But as the day goes on and Michael isn't getting any answers about the culprit uh, bef- behind his carpet, he's getting more paranoid. Sure. It's, you can see the wheels turning because people aren't giving in to his antics. He's getting really boastful when he makes the sale and people aren't liking that. So, people are getting grumbly and upset with him, and he doesn't like when people are upset with
0: him. So, so
1: he's thinking, oh, now he's looking at everyone like so, a suspect. Okay,
0: so, yeah, okay, you're thinking that as this is going on, it turns from this could have, this was just some random person came in and did yes. this to. Any one of them could have
1: done. Yes, because okay. then you get like comments that he makes to the camera, like, "Well, at the beginning of the day, I would have given any one of these people my kidney, but not now." So he's just sort that of that makes
0: more sense now because, yeah. so this this contest goes on, and Michael just abruptly ends it, like yeah. he <laughs> makes he makes a sale and is celebrating it and. Daryl and Roy are moving carpet out of his office or into his office, either one, and they start kind of making fun of him, and Michael does his common thing around them where he's just like, he, he essentially just stops. Like, mm-hmm. he is embarrassed by his actions at that point, Well, he just
1: wants to be cool to Daryl and Roy, yeah. and then they... He, he's kind of like the the little brother or the, the annoying kid in class. Like, he's kind of an easy target for them to pick on. Right. Unfortunately.
0: And it's kind of nice having Daryl and Roy around in this situation. And in multiple situations throughout the show. Because they very easily take Michael down a peg. Yeah. Like anytime Michael is at his worst, it's the warehouse guys who basically... Aren't don't feel like they have to kowtow to Michael yeah. and just be like rather than doing what everybody else in the office does and just kind of rolls their eyes and bites their tongue, like they will just make fun of Michael. <laughs> and it, it just stops Michael <laughs> from doing whatever he does.
1: Yes. It's it really does put him in his place. In Michael's paranoia. Reaches the fever pitch with his meeting with Ed Truck. And Ed Truck uh, was the manager before Michael became the manager uh, for the Scranton branch. So he meets with Ed Truck behind the dumpsters for some reason. And Michael's just asking him how he gets everyone to like him. And has he ever had an instance where something was left on his carpet? And Ed says... That there was, which makes me think that the same person was behind both of these uh, instances. And Ed Truck has pretty sage advice. He's just telling him, you know, not everyone can like you, and that's okay. And whatever happened to your, your employees being your employees, your family being your family, and your friends being your friends. And there is something to be said for sort of keeping your personal life and your work life separated like you can have friendly relationships at the office but not bringing too much of either your personal life or your work life into each one and vice versa you know what i'm saying
0: right i i do think though that there is kind of a give and take in that relationship though i don't necessarily completely agree with the things that ed says I do believe that you can have an outside relationship with your superiors. It just has to come with the understanding on both sides that at some point, this person is my boss yeah. and this person is my, for lack of a better term, subordinate. Yeah, they may so, have to reprimand exactly, you at some point. Exactly, exactly. You know. And so at that point the employee can't be like well i thought we were friends like like and i and personally i expect that from my bosses as well like i think it is important to have a personal relationship with any employee whether it is a supervisor or whatever but when it comes to it that person is my manager is my boss whatever yeah. And so if they, you know, say, Hey, I really need you to do this or hey, you messed this up. I need you to fix it, it it does not come with a what What, man I thought we were friends. Yeah, why
1: are you asking me to do this? And Michael doesn't get that aspect of it. He doesn't want to be the heavy ever, as we've seen you know, many times over throughout the, the season so far, he can't do that and he can't separate those things because of his his overwhelming desire of his life is to just be liked. And that blinds him to most everything else, quite frankly.
0: Yes. So Michael is sitting at Jim's desk and he is really just kind of down at this point. Yes. He, like you said, is very paranoid as to... Who did this? He suspects everyone of doing it. And he, I think, probably for the first time, feels like he doesn't have a friend in the office.
1: Yeah, he just feels pretty isolated and alone.
0: And it takes a call from probably the only person that he knows he has a friend in. In the office. But it's
1: not a real friendship. But
0: he thinks he has a friend in the office. Yeah. In Todd Packer, and Todd calls him and asks if he got the package that he left (laughs) for him this morning. And Michael doesn't pick up on the joke.
1: He's pretty oblivious to what he's talking about.
0: Yeah. To start. And Packer's like, yeah, I left it there for you this morning. And... He asks Pam, did you see anything? Goes, no. Did you see a packet for me? And Packer's like, Yep, I left it right in the middle of your office. And then he asks the warehouse guys, Did you did you see that? Did you pick that up? And everybody is just like, come on, yeah. get there. Yeah. And Michael finally figures it out that Packer is the one that defecated on his carpet. It's and so gross. Since it's Packer, everything's okay.
1: Yeah, it was just a big joke. And that's where it connects to the litany that Michael was giving to the cameras previously about Todd's antics. That's the framework that he's going to view this through. Like sleeping with all the women in the office. Holding some guy's head in the toilet for over a minute. Michael and Todd not wearing pants for an entire day. That's what Todd considers to be a joke. And he's the type of person that's going to be like, you completely missed the joke if that person's offended as they rightfully should be.
0: It's your fault that you're offended, right?
1: So once Michael finds out that it was Todd, his mindset completely shifts, does a 180, and it's funny and it's hilarious and it's just a friendly joke from his friend.
0: Right. So knowing what we know now, Todd Packer is fired for defecating in Michael's office.
1: Fired and permanently barred from employment elsewhere. Yeah. Oh my god If not
0: for calling Michael a gay nerd
1: as well. Yes. Yeah. So
0: if we didn't, if he didn't get fired for that, he definitely gets fired for when we find out he is the one that took a dump in Michael's office.
1: I am fairly certain that any time Todd has shown up in an episode so far, he's been fired. Absolutely. That and is I true. think that will continue on. Yeah. Oh, God. He is my, you know, okay. Actually, that I don't think the statement I was about to say is true, but I was going to say he's my least favorite character on the show, but that's not fully true.
0: I imagine we'll get to that. Yes. We okay. Will, we will So there are two kind of subplots in this episode, and they, kind of as we alluded to earlier in the episode, they have to do with the series in general more so than Todd Packer taking a dump in Michael's Hawk.
1: Yeah, it's a big picture element. And
0: there's a smaller one and there's a larger one. A result of Jim being back in the... Annex with Kelly is that he gets the full brunt of what Kelly is. Yeah,
1: Kelly is fully Kelly now.
0: Yes. She is constantly talking, seemingly about nothing, and it appears that this has been an issue before because...
1: This is a nice, subtle joke. when
0: When Jim first goes back there to work at this desk, Kelly says that Toby used to work at that desk, but had to move on the other side of the partition because of an allergy of some sort. <laughs> yes. And we have to just assume that Toby was able to finagle moving on the other side of the partition just to get away from Kelly because she talked all the time.
1: Yeah, Kelly's character is presented as... Kind of an airhead with extreme vocal fry, I would say. That's not Mindy Kaling's normal speaking voice. And she's a little, she's kind of ostentatious, just nonstop talker. um, And that's how she will be for the series now. Yeah. And so for for some reason, Michael can't work an office chair. And Ryan has to come back on his behalf and ask Jim how the chair should be lowered. And right after that encounter, Kelly's like, oh my God, he is so hot. Do you think you can talk to him for me?
0: So I, I originally got the vibe that Ryan was doing that simply to kind of check in on Jim and just be like, just to like, see how miserable he is because he knows who Kelly is and the character, like how she is. But I think this extended interaction shows that they don't really know each other that well. Yeah,
1: that's the impression I get. They don't really, hadn't had much of a need to interact.
0: Right. So, yes, Kelly asks Jim to talk to Ryan for her.
1: And, kind of crazily enough, Jim does. Yeah. He's like, hey man, this is kind of awkward, but what do you think of Kelly?
0: Well, I don't think this would happen in later episodes. Uh, Jim and Ryan do not have the tenuous relationship that they have in later seasons yes. at this point. So yeah. they are still just kind of... I mean, honestly, they would probably be two of the better friends with each other in the epi- in this mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. in real life because they are the two younger guys that work have there. Have similar interests. Yeah.
1: yeah, Ryan's just kind of a tool, sure. as we'll see.
0: Sure. So... Jim does talk to Ryan and Ryan to an extent shares the same feelings that Kelly has in that <laughs> he finds her attractive. Yeah. And so Ryan then says, "Well, would you, you know, kind of find out what what's her deal? Is what's she, looking, she for, looking for Is she looking for something long-term or just is kind of, you know,
1: He has if she just wants to hang out." Right. Which means, will she hook up and not want anything right. more than that? Kelly's response to this is hilarious. She's like, oh, definitely long term, which is very Kelly. Like, fall in love, have babies, spend every second together. She's like, but well, don't tell them that. Tell them I'm up for whatever. Right. <laughs> which will be the uh, defining problem of their relationship. <laughs>
0: What Kelly pictures as the ideal romantic relationship definitely comes from a romantic comedy. Oh, yes. That's absolutely what she thinks... She's that type of lady. ...a dating relationship looks like. Yeah. So, we see the establishment of what will become a kind of a back-and-forth relationship for the remainder of the series... We see that beginning right here with Kelly and Ryan.
1: And my favorite sort of development in their relationship will come in the Valentine's Day episode. (laughs) And they each give an interview to the camera. And that will be extremely telling as to how each views the relationship.
0: (laughs) It's pretty good. Despite everything else that is going on, the subplot that we see that has ramifications on a larger scale for the remainder of this season and into next season is the relationship between Jim and Pam. And I personally can't really stand Jim in this episode.
1: Curtis is very upset by Jim.
0: He is so pathetic in this episode because he just can't handle not being the primary focus of Pam's attention.
1: Yeah, he was already a little mopey because she was on vacation, and he was hoping to definitely connect with her when she was back. But due to Michael's carpet incident, Roy had to be upstairs working to uh, pull up that carpet. And as a result, Pam and Roy had more interactions. And because they had just gotten back from vacation, they were already in sort of a flirty, happy
0: mode. Right. You know,
1: when you're on vacation, you can sort of put aside the reality of your day-to-day.
0: Side note, something happens at the very beginning of the episode. That yes, is related that
1: is a firing.
0: To that, that is important for this show. And yes, yes, it is because someone got fired. Yes. At the very beginning of the episode, Michael enters the office, sees Pam there, says, Hey, how was vacation? Did you get lucky? So we have to fire Michael for basically asking Pam if she had sex on vacation.
1: What an awkward, oh my God, just so awkward from your boss. And I will say, I will admit to my own ignorance here, I didn't know where the Poconos was at. I thought it was a warm and tropical location. It's not. (laughs) It's in eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's like a ski resort. Right. (laughs) And so throughout the day, Jim's upset, one, because he has to be back in the annex, so he can't connect with Pam there. And then whenever he tries to come back to the main part of the office to get away from Kelly, he's sort of thwarted by Roy.
0: Yes. So Jim is essentially, of his own choice, confined to the hallway between the annex and the main office. Yeah. Like He, he constantly is going up to the door to, like, go out into the main office, and he sees Pam talking with Roy. Mm -hmm. And he, like, freezes in his tracks and turns around and runs away, essentially.
1: Yeah, and he sort of... John Krasinski plays this really well, because you can see the turmoil on his face. So, you know, he's doing a good job acting this out here. Even at lunchtime, Roy's eating lunch in the break room with everybody, so... You know, Jim decides not to go in there for lunch. And at the end of the day, he sees Pam leaving and he tries to wave to her and she had her head down and just doesn't see him. So Jim's feeling just really let down. He's really at a crossroads here. Like this is, we're getting to do or die time for him and this will continue on for the next couple episodes. But he decides he's going to call and ask out Brenda, who was there on the booze cruise as sort of the corporate oversight of their retreat. Yeah. So he, he calls and emails her.
0: He doesn't do a very good job at this, no.
1: No, he doesn't. And, you know, we never actually find out if she said yes or responded to his call or his email but he's pretty blatant about it because he does it right in front of Kelly. He leaves her a message. Yeah. He leaves her a message. And so Jim is just it, so dejected.
0: It, it, it's kind of a callback to the interaction that Jim is playing between Kelly and Ryan. And Kelly is so amazed that, Ryan, that Jim actually picked up the phone and right. called a girl to ask her out. Because her way of doing that is the third grade, like, Hey, can you yeah. can you pass this note over to that girl that I really like and yeah. then see if she'll bring it in, like check yes or no and then bring it back to me. I don't want to actually talk to that person. Right. Anyway, I just thought that was a, a funny. No, it's kind so of true because she's so amazed. Yeah. Right. So Jim, like you said, is at a crossroads. I think he realizes that he sees Pam and Roy's interactions with each other. He also knows the other side of that coin, and I think he realizes that Roy and Pam have just a good enough relationship yeah. that neither one of them is going to do anything about either making it better or ending it.
1: Right. They're they're not great for each other, but they're it's fine enough, right? You know, sort of thing. If you're willing to settle for that,
0: right. So, he tries to move on. He tries to ask out Brenda. But, in typical gym fashion, he gets sucked right back in by the smallest thing because... And in this case, it's not quite that small because no. there is a lot on Pam's part here, too. Yes. She has left him seven voicemails.
1: Throughout the day. Throughout the
0: day. Just because she wants to talk to him, essentially. She misses talking to him. hmm So... He, he just has that, that, oh, gee, she, I. She was thinking about she me. She thinks about me. Look on his face while he is checking this, his voicemails after what has been a pretty miserable day for
1: him. Yeah, he's kind of got a smirk and he's just, he's just lightened up because Pam left him seven kind of silly messages. The last one from her cell phone on her way home of hey, talk to you tomorrow, sort of thing. Right. And to him, I think that that's like validation that even though she was on the outside having this flirty sort of fun day with Roy, she was still thinking about him. Yeah. So, yes, it's just, it's hard to watch as an adult. And it's a weird will they, won't they sort of situation. And I know it's, I believe, based on the original, the British version of The Office. But it's a very unhealthy dynamic, as we've discussed on here before. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, it's kind of funny. Before we started recording this episode, we were like, eh, there's not much of this episode. What are we going to talk talk about? And here we we are. We are probably already at our longest episode. And there's still more to come. So, let's go back to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode.
1: There's not very many fun facts. I don't think I've said this on uh, this show yet, but John Grzynski and BJ Novak went to the same high school. Um, they're both from Massachusetts, um, so they knew each other way back when. Ed Truck, the manager, will have a, a large role in a Season 3 episode. And there's a funny moment between Dwight and Angela when he is participating in Michael's raid on accounting. Um, He tries to grab her her things to throw and she just stares him down and shakes her head. And he just takes a pencil and just throws it down and runs away, which is just a hilarious like he clearly has a little bit of fear slash respect there for her. So that's all I've got for this one.
0: So, in this episode, we had two firings. First, Michael gets fired for asking Pam if she had sex on her vacation. It is Michael's seventh firing this season and tenth overall. So, Michael has been fired in half of the episodes this season. (laughs) And at this point, we are at episode 20, I think. So, half of the episodes overall. So, Mm -hmm. he is at historic numbers right now. (laughs) And Todd Packer also gets fired for defecating in Michael's office. It is his third firing this season and his fourth overall. Oh, God. Antoinette, do you have a Dundee to give out?
1: Uh, Yes. The Dundee for the still-in-flux wardrobe goes to Kelly, because even though her character's personality is pretty solidified right now, the wardrobe still isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. She's still dressing pretty conservatively: high neck, tie blouses, long skirts. And so we're 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 getting there, just not quite there. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's February. Yeah. She, maybe she's just dressing for the weather.
1: That's true. What is your Dundee?
0: Uh, my Dundee is the biggest cheapskate, and it goes to Billy Merchant, the <laughs> office park manager. Why is that? I don't know if these are his calls, but I'm just going to assume they are. First, he has what appears to be the regular cleaning lady come in and clean off the poo from (laughs) Michael's carpet. Yeah, And also, Daryl and Roy from the warehouse are the ones that are pulling up and putting in the carpet. Which I have to imagine would be an outside job also.
1: Yeah, not part of their job description.
0: So if I was the either the cleaning lady or Roy or Daryl, I'd be like, nah, I'm not doing that. That is definitely yeah. not in my job description. You're going to have to find somebody else to do that.
1: Agree. So I
0: am thinking that Billy Merchant just is not ponying up money to... to, to get outside help to do these things
1: well and that is why my employees of the month are roy and daryl for i hope they're getting some sort of compensation for this daryl is the warehouse foreman and he has been tapped to pull up and lay down new carpet that is crazy
0: yes my Employees of the Month are also Daryl and Roy for that reason, but also because there is a shot of them where they appear to have had some beers in Michael's office and are just hanging out just and taking, taking a, nap. a nap. Why not? I mean, yeah. that's the life right there. Is yes. If you could find a, a nice place to get in some Z's at work, uh, I applaud you for that. That's also something that comes up in a later episode of, uh, this this show. Yes. So that does it for this week's episode. Again, kind of surprised we got this much time in <laughs> on an episode where of that I think we both would agree is probably one of the worst episodes yeah, of the office. It's,
1: it wouldn't make a lot of top lists.
0: Right. So be sure to follow us on downsizing pod on Twitter. To get all the latest episode updates and be sure to keep listening on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, reviews, wherever you can do that. I'm not sure how any of that really works. (laughs) And just keep listening. Thanks for listening. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Bye.